0: Welcome to KathleenWitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. look at that, instead of just zooming through it, which is what we all kind of have an inclination to do, Jesus says, you are my friends. And I think about that, and I think, you know, if I told someone, if someone said, well, you know, name some of your friends, I'm interested in knowing your friends, and I said, well, God's my friend, I'm one of God's friends. It almost would sound like I was bragging. But we're supposed to know from Jesus Christ that he says that he's chosen us to be his friend. And when we know that, it will completely change our point of view towards God and our point of view towards even ourselves when I know and you know that you're a friend of God. In John 15, 15, Jesus says, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends because everything that I've learned from my Father, I've made known to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. You know what those scriptures tell me that's so significant? is that no matter how many mistakes I've made and no matter how weak I am and no matter how imperfect we all are in this room, for whatever reason, in God's heart, He chose you and He chose whoever's listening to this message to know His love and to be His friend. To be God's friend. That's like if you don't have another friend in the world that understands you, God understands you. And it's not that I have chosen God and He's my friend. You know, some of the darling CDs and songs and things like that that my little three-year-old has says, you know, I'm a friend of God. He's my friend. But we need to realize God chose us to be His friend. What a compliment. And what a responsibility. And then he describes what is really friendship and John fifteen thirteen says, No greater love has this than he lay down his life for his friends. And it's like God said, I chose you, therefore I gave everything to you because you're my friend. I lay down my life. No greater love has this than to lay down your life for your friends. You know, as we celebrate Veterans Day, that's why men and women are celebrated and that's why they're remembered in such um, honor, is because they lay down their life. No greater love is this than to lay down your life for a friend. See, friendship's not just lip action. And that's what God is saying here. It's basically saying in John 15, 13, friendship that I'm offering you is not just lip action. It's that I lay down my life for you. And we are God's friends. And He expects the same thing for us. Not just lip action, but that we lay down our lives for Him. And the greatest thing is He always gives us more life. He always gives us better life. Anything we ever give to God, He multiplies back a hundredfold. But it's that we have deeds. That we have actions and not just with action. James 2.17 says, in the same way, faith by itself, which is what we've been talking about week after week after week, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. That's pretty plain. But someone will say, you have faith and I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I'll show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish man. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. James 2.22 is such a powerful scripture. Because those of us in our lives, as, as we receive Jesus as our Savior, God changes our hearts so that He becomes not just our Savior, but our Lord. And as He becomes our Lord, it moves from lip action only to what we do. And this word in James 22 says, Faith is completed what we do. See, because you actually end up doing what you really believe. If I really believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody can come to the Father but through Him, then I am going to tell people that. I'm going to live my life with the knowledge of eternity, and and it's going to change every area of my life. If I believe that God says to love Him with all of my heart and soul and mind. If I believe that Matthew 6.33 says to seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added, then my action becomes that I seek first the kingdom of God. And that is where God says, you know, that's a true friend. I've chosen you to be my friend, says God to us. But it will be your choice what kind of friend you are back to me. And that's always the case with friends. What kind of friend is up to me and up to you? Faith is friendship with God. James 2.23 is so powerful and ties in exactly what I'm talking about. It says the scriptures. James writes. The scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And then what? And then James says. And he was called God's friend. How do we know that Abraham believed God? Because he laid Isaac on the altar. It wasn't just that Abraham said, I believe you, God. I worship you. I love you. I believe you. I worship you. I love you. I go to the synagogue every day. Or, you know, all the things that Abraham would have done in that time. I believe you. I worship you. It was that his actions followed up with his lips. And then here in James twenty two, excuse me, James two twenty-three, it says Abraham believed God and he was called God's friend. You know, wouldn't it be amazing if if we could have a vision into heaven right now and and you could see God talking to the angels and he would point down at you and he would say, This one, this one's my friend. See, they're all my friends. I've all chosen them, but this one, this one believes me. This one has action that follows up with what he believes. This one's my friend. I want to look at the book of Ruth because Ruth is um, a little bitty book in the Bible that exhibits friendship with God. And It's just so amazing, you know, the names in the Bible. I'm fascinated by names, and and you all know that. I get really excited by that. But Ruth means friendship and companion. That's what Ruth means. There was a famine in the land of Bethlehem, and um, there was a family um, living there, the husband being Elimelech which means my God is king, and his wife Naomi, which means sweet and pleasant. And then there are two sons, Malon and Killian. And they're living in the land of Bethlehem, but there's a famine, so they leave the land of Bethlehem, God's land. Bethlehem means the house of bread. They leave Bethlehem, and they go to the land of the Moabites to live and the Moabites do not worship the one true God. As a matter of fact, they worship a god named Chemosh. And in worshiping a god named Chemosh, and I may be mispronouncing that, but I was reading about the history of the Moabites, and they had horrible, horrendous, sickening practices of child sacrifice to their god. And yet, this man left yes, the land of. God because there was a famine and he was afraid that he wouldn't be provided for and he went to the land of the Moabites and took his family and in Ruth 1.3 it says now Elimelech, a Naomi's husband died and she was left with her two sons and they married Moabite women one named Orpah which means stiff necks or declining and by the way that's where Oprah Winfrey got her name Her mother saw that name in the Bible and switched the R with the um, P on accident and named her Oprah. And if that's the only thing that you remember from today, please, don't tell someone, oh, what did you learn? I learned where Oprah Winfrey got her name. They're already a little bit concerned about how wacky I am. And then the other Ruth, which means friendship or companion, and after they have lived there about ten years, both Malon which means sick and weakness, and Kilian, which means consumption or pining, died. And then Naomi was left without her sons and her husband. When she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of His people by providing them food, I mean, what do I learn here? Don't leave God. Don't go to a different God thinking that God is not going to provide for you. What had happened? What would have happened if they had stayed? See, they left the land of God. They left Bethlehem and they went to the land of the Moabites where there was child sacrifice and, and where all the people were serving another god. And then Elimelech died and his two sons died. And then Naomi hears, well, God did come through for his people. Ruth six, the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing them food. Naomi and her daughter-in-law prepared to return home from there. But Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? In other words, she's saying to her two Moabite daughter-in-laws, go back to your family because I, I don't know even what I have to offer you in Bethlehem. I don't know who's going to accept me there. You know, women in those days, without a husband and without sons, you were in trouble because you had no one to provide for you and no way of making a living. And so here are these three women, the mother-in-law and Naomi and these two Moabitist daughter-in-laws and Naomi saying just please go back to your family at least you'll be fed there. And Naomi is kind of interesting because um, she's kind of a thespian. She's very much of a drama queen, and, and, and sometimes we don't pick up on the personalities of the people in the Bible and how interesting they are until we start reading what they say. So Naomi says, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? I am, going, am I going to have any more sons who would become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight, and then gave birth to the sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has gone against me. In other words, Naomi is kind of a drama queen. So she's telling her daughter-in-laws, go home, go home, because I am not going to have more sons who you can marry. And at this they wept again, and then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye and went back to her family. But Ruth 1.14 says, but Ruth clung to her. Ruth means friendship and companion. Ruth 115, Look, said, Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replies something in 116. This is a very, very famous scripture. It's inscribed on many people's wedding rings. And it's the heart that we should have in friendship towards God who's chosen us to be his friends. But Ruth replied, "Don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God make my your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. So in Ruth 1.19 it says, So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem, and when they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? And she says, Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, which means bitter, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. Now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side from the clan of the and a man of good standing whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let us go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone whose eyes I think find favor. And Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. Now, stop in Ruth two twenty two uh, verse 2. There is a law in Israel where you can go and glean the grains from the field if you are poor and have nothing to eat. And it's so significant, it was brought to my attention last week, that that law still stands today. It's their welfare system, basically. And so she's saying, we have nothing else to eat. Go and and, and glean from the field in order to get food. And so here Ruth in Ruth 2.3 says, it says that she went and began to glean in the fields behind the harvesters. And as it turned out, she found herself working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. You know, if you have your Bible, which um, I hope you do, and I know you all do, right? I would underline as it turned out, because that is so God. You know, we call things that, that are just amazing things of God. We call them coincidences, but they're really God incidences. It's like, as it turned out, she happened to be in the field of Boaz. You know, when she said, I will follow you, Naomi, the reason I wanted to show you kind of some of Naomi's personality, we understand that she was grieved. But we also see that she was somewhat of a dramatic person, and she was not a perfect person. And she even said, now I'm bitter, I'm Naomi. I I used to be Naomi, meaning pleasant. Now call me Mara, which means bitter. And so Ruth, little Ruth, she's following after Naomi. Why? Just because of Naomi? I think Ruth got a taste of the one true God. And she decided, I am not leaving Him. I will leave my mother and father and the security that I might have in the land of the Moabites. I will leave that God that sacrifices children to follow the one true God to a land that I don't know. I will not Leads God. That is God's friend. And that is what Ruth's name means. And when we have a heart like that towards God, we have many, many God incidences start to happen in our lives, just like Ruth. The word in Ruth 2.3, as it turned out, she happened to be in the field belonging to Boaz. And just then Boaz sees Ruth gleaning from his field and he asks her. He asks about her. And in Ruth 2.7, Ruth says to Boaz, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. And she went into the field and worked steadily from morning until now, except for the short rest in the shelter. I think it's interesting right there that Ruth is gleaning in the field that she will one day own. I just want you to stop and think about that. So often in the Word of God, what we glean from God, and we work and we toil, and yes, the Word says also to rest, but it could be that you're gleaning in a field that you may one day own. It could be that you're gleaning in the Word of God, and you're excited about a certain thing about God, because that's actually part of the destiny that God has for your life. It's part of the field that you will one day own. I'm going to stop right there on that. Ruth 2.8, so Boaz said to Ruth, My daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field. And don't go away from here. Stay here with my servant girls. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. And she exclaimed, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? And Boaz replied, I've been told all about. What you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. See, the townspeople had told him about her loyalty and her friendship towards her mother-in-law. And he goes on to say, And how you left your father and your mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. I love that verse. May the Lord repay you for what you have done, says Boaz. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. He's honoring her friendship. Towards God. That's what he's honoring. And she says to him, May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord. She said, You have given me comfort and spoken kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servant girls. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. And her mother-in-law asked her, Where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. And then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one whose place she had been working, the name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. And she added, this man is our close relative. He is one of our kinsmen redeemers. You know what's so neat about this is that in Ruth 2.20, Naomi, who has been saying she's bitter and she feels like God has abandoned her, because of Ruth's persistence and friendship with God and because of Ruth going and gleaning in the field of Boaz and because of them being provided for, now says God has not stopped showing his kindness. It's an awakening to Naomi. Did you know that your friendship with God can be an awakening for someone else who's bitter? You're going and consistently gleaning the Word of God and living your life where your lip action lines up with your deeds and where you want to be a friend with God, a companion to God. Ruth, do you know that that can change someone's bitterness into joy? That's what Ruth did for her mother-in-law, Naomi. And Naomi adds something so significant. She says, Boaz is one of our kinsmen redeemers. And I want to explain a little history about that. A kinsman redeemer... Is mentioned in Leviticus 25.25. And what it says there is that if a brother be waxen poor and has sold away some of his possession and any of his kin come to redeem it, then shall he redeem that which his brother sold. A kinsman redeemer is when someone is left with nothing. That kinsman can come and claim that thing or that person, or that land, or that property, and take it over. That's a kinsman redeemer. And that's a beautiful picture of Jesus for us. Adam sold us into slavery. And Jesus Christ is referred to in the Word of God as our kinsman redeemer. Because he came and claimed us. And bought us back. Ruth 31, one day Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not try to find a home for you where you will be provided for? Is not Boaz with whom, the servant girls you've been, a kinsman of ours? Tonight you will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash and perfume yourself and put on your best clothes. And then go down to the threshing floor. But don't let him know you're there until he's finished eating and drinking. And when he lies down... Note the place where he's lying, and go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And Ruth says this to her mother-in-law, I will do whatever you say. I'm sure all of you say that to your mother-in-laws. I know I do, every day. You know, I do have to say this about my mother-in-law. I got kind of choked up and... um she watched um, Storm the other day. I had a, a board meeting for our ministry, and um, it just dawned on me as I was walking into her house that she gave me both my sons, my husband. Well, both my I won't say my sons, both of my men in my family. My husband, most obviously, and my son, because she went with my husband to go get Storm from Armenia, out of the orphanage. And I just said, you know, thank you so much for giving me both my voice. And I see also that God wants us to honor not only our mother and father, but our mother and father-in-law. And Ruth is an amazing example of that. I don't see that Naomi is perfect. I don't think Ruth's perfect. I don't think we're perfect. But I see that Ruth honored Her mother-in-law. And I see that God honored Ruth. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. And Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. You know, we can't receive redemption from God either unless we lay down our pride perfect example of humility, she's asking him in no uncertain terms for redemption. And when we come to God, we can't come, you know, full of pride and with an attitude of, well, I've got everything, I might as well get Jesus now. We have to lay down at his feet and say, God, you know, I'm poor in spirit. I need your forgiveness, I need your love, I need your guidance, I need your son. Ruth 3, 8, in the middle of the night, something startled the man, and he turned and discovered a woman lying at his feet and says, Who are you? And she said, I'm your servant Ruth. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are my kinsman, Redeemer. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are my kinsman, Redeemer. Just as Jesus covers us covers our sins. The Lord bless you, my daughter. He said the kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all that you ask. So in verse 413, Boaz, it says in the word of God, later takes Ruth and she becomes his wife. You know, I want you to read Ruth 3, 13-4, on your own, but I want to say something here. This is a beautiful, amazing, romantic story of Ruth with Boaz and how she was a servant girl just gleaning in his field. How she had heard of God and left her mother and her father, left everything she knew to go to the land of the one true God, to go to the land of Bethlehem, the house of bread. And how she gleaned in the field that she would one day own. And how she humbled herself and became the wife, the bride of Boaz, her kinsman redeemer. She was a friend to God. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to leave the land that maybe we came from. Maybe you didn't come from a family that love the Lord, our God, with all of their heart and soul and mind. Maybe that's not your background. That's certainly not the direction that our world is headed in in many areas. So we have to leave our background, leave our world, leave our culture, and go to a land which we may not be familiar with, and that is to Jesus. And we have to lay down at God's feet, just like Ruth did with Boaz and say, "Please redeem me." And then the most beautiful thing is John 3:29, Revelations 22:17. There's so many scriptures that refer to us as the bride of Christ. We are no longer His servants," Jesus says. Because I've made known to you all the Father has made known to me. I no longer call you my servants, Jesus says. I call you my friends. And being a friend to God is the way that Ruth is a friend. And that is saying, wherever you go, I will go. I will not leave you. I will continue to glean. You know, sometimes we have to hold on to God and glean from His Word even when it looks like nothing's happening. Even when we may not understand. But then the Word of God says that we will become the bride of Christ. And the book of Revelation says that God is looking for a spotless and pure bride. And that's us. Spotless and pure because we've been redeemed through the blood of Jesus. I think that Oh, I hope I have time. Okay. This is so exciting. This is so exciting. So in Ruth four thirteen it says, Then he went to her, Boaz, and the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. And the women said to Naomi, Praise be the Lord who this day has left you, who has excuse me, Praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a kinsman redeemer. So significant that phrase, because that is what we should be saying today. Praise be to God who has not left us. Even though Adam sinned and caused us to fall, and even though our lives can get to be in a mess, praise be to God who has not left me without a kinsman redeemer in Jesus Christ. May he become famous throughout Israel. Now these are prophetic words, and we're going to look and see why. Ruth, 4, excuse me, Ruth 4.15 He will renew your life and sustain you in old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child, laid him in her lap, and cared for him. And the women living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed, which means serving. And he, this is so good, was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Who's Obed? Obed was the father of Jesse, the grandfather of King David, in the line of people who would bring the Messiah. Ruth 4.22 says, Obed the father of Jesse, Jesse the father of David. And this is what's so amazing to me, is here's Ruth, a Moabitess, not born to a family that follows God. But she follows God with all of her heart and soul and mind and refuses to leave the one true God. And she becomes the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus Christ. I want to show you something really quickly in Matthew. This is really amazing. We look at the genealogy of Jesus Christ and I remember reading these scriptures about the genealogy and just feeling like I was going to fall asleep, thinking, my gosh, you know, these people keep some serious scrapbooks, you know. They know all this, you know, so-and-so, the father, so-and-so, and and, and then all the begat, and -and so-and-so begat, begat, begat. But look why God put this in here. Because you're going to see the people that we've been learning their lives and, and, and their dedication to God and how God honored them and how they became. The people in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Matthew 1.1, a record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez, the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Abinadab. Abinadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Solomon, Solomon the father of Boaz. Matthew 1.5. And who was Boaz's mother? Rahab. The harlot. Who loved God. If you love God, it doesn't matter where you came from or what you've done. It doesn't matter. I think that Boaz so opened his heart to Ruth because his mother had a background that wasn't quote-unquote, pure and religious. But her heart was turned towards God. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon. And then we read all the way down to Matthew 1.16. All through these names of real people with real lives. Real personalities, real mistakes, real weaknesses, but they loved God. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who was called Christ in Matthew 1.17, it says, Thus there were fourteen generations in all from Abraham to David. Fourteen from David to the exile to Babylon. And fourteen from the exile to Christ. Chance? I don't think so. There's a divine plan. And the exciting thing is that we're in it. Who will be your great, 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 great? If Jesus doesn't come back before, then who will be your great grandson or granddaughter or your daughter or son? You don't have to be perfect. have to have that heart like Ruth that says, I won't leave you. I will follow you, God. I will glean from the field of your word and I will live my life not just with words but with deeds. God, I'm so honored that you chose me to be your friend and I want to hear the angels say back to you, hey God, there is one that's a friend to you. Heavenly Father, thank you for Ruth. Thank you for her life. Thank you for your word. Oh, God, your word is so amazing. Thank you for choosing us to be your friend. Father, we come and we lay down at your feet this morning, and we ask your forgiveness for not always being a friend back to you for putting so many things before You, for not honoring You, for forgetting to glean from Your Word. And God, we ask for Your forgiveness, and we ask that You cover us with Your precious Son's blood, that You would be our kinsman redeemer. Father, I thank You that You would enable us this day to receive this Word from your Holy Spirit, and to make a decision in our hearts that we would be your friend, your companion, someone after your own heart. Father, we bless the generations that will come from us, children and spiritual children, and we pray that down through our bloodline, as for us in our house, Thank you. Thank you.